is chilling truth. He killed 33 times. I'm a king, man. I decide who does what and where they do it at. Next time you see me. Alright, you ready to start now? Yeah. Okay, cool. Alright, everybody, so welcome to The Chilling Truth. I am Corey, and I got Johnny here with me. And today we're going to be talking about a rather controversial case from uh, 1946. And that is the case of William Hirons, better known as the Lipstick Killer. Now, William Hirons was an American criminal, possible possible serial killer who confessed under police torture. He was convicted of three murders in 1946, but this conviction was, again, very controversial. The story of Hirons is pretty messy, and I don't, didn't know it until I started researching him. Uh, he was ruthlessly interrogated by police and claimed he was forced to confess to the three murders, but maintained his innocence until he died. Uh, he got his name, The Lipstick Killer, from a notorious message that was written on the wall in lipstick at one of the crime scenes. If you have any true crime knowledge, you are probably aware of the message I'm talking about. We're going to address it later in the episode, but I'm sure you know what message I'm referring to. So as we normally do with uh, big names like this, we're going to be starting with his early life, and we're going to be going to the Windy City today. Yeah, so it starts in Lincolnwood, uh, which is a suburb of Chicago, where Hirons grew up. And uh, his parents were George and Margaret Herons. So George was a child of immigrants from Luxembourg. Uh, George was an alcoholic, and his parents fought a lot in front of him, actually, as uh, as a kid. So, which I guess is pretty uh, normal, and uh, you know, yeah, I guess so. You know, but the thing is, they were living in extreme. They they weren't living in extreme poverty. Uh, they had money, uh, but it was tight. So when you have families that are living you know, under financial stress. Stresses. Yeah. You're going to see them arguing in front of each other. But, uh, this is, uh, one of the main reasons bill turned to burglary. He wanted to ease his financial anxieties. And when we so, say bill, we're referring to, uh, William Hirons. Bill is short for William. Somehow. I don't understand it. I thought just will. Yes. You but, didn't know that. I mean, yeah, but I don't understand why. Uh, well, it's just like Richard and Dick. They don't make any sense. No, there's just a few. Yeah. Well, anyway. But so when Hearns was 11, he claimed to have witnessed a couple having sex. Nice. He told his mom. Yeah, he told his mom, uh, who told him that all sex was dirty and would lead to diseases. <laughs> uh, of course. It's not uh, one. That's not a. That's not gonna fuck him up later. Yeah. So while he was kissing a girl, uh, he burst into tears at one point and and then started vomiting in front of her. Like a real so, South Park character guy. Yeah. Nice. Uh, around the age of 12, uh, he started robbing apartments. And then when he was about 13, he was arrested for carrying a loaded gun. Uh, a search of his home turned up more weapons hidden in the refrigerator and in the loft that was there. Is that a good place and, for hiding, the refrigerator? I mean, I feel like a uh, lot of family members expl- exclusively, uh, everyone goes to the f- refrigerator. Uh, it, it's a new one for me, especially if you have a family who's like, you know, borderline impoverished so or impoverished so I, w- I would imagine that most of your food is frozen and microwaved did they have the food like that in the 40s though i don't know if they did, did it's even earlier was the, than that when was, when was the microwave invented i don't know i don't know any of that i have no conception of time all right you look that up uh because uh, i want to know 
Yeah, um, I mean. but so they're in the loft uh, as well. But he liked to carry weapons and generally act like a tough guy. Tough so, guy. He's a tough guy. He's a tough guy. Tommy Tough Nuts. Tommy so, Tough Guy. So he admitted to a sting of burglary or a string of burglaries and was sent to the the Gabalt School for Wayward Boys for several months. Nice. Uh, and his reasoning for stealing was that it was basically fun and it released some of the tension that he had built up. Um, I don't know, man. I've stolen things before and I didn't I mean, I guess it's fun to get free stuff, but uh, I think everybody has, needs an outlet, but you got you got to you got to try gotta, to find a legal one. Start yeah, a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like just kind of you know sift through outlets and see which one best works for, for you. Yeah, you know maybe 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 start with like kite flying, and then if no nothing in between kite flying and burglary works, maybe then you could just you have you got to do burglary. You know, right? Just try to find something that's not burglary or murder or murder. Do legal so, things. Don't try yeah, to make your hobbies legal. legal. Do whatever you want. Just keep it legal. It's just uh, you know, it's a mess. So after he finished up uh, his stay at Gabalt, he was arrested again for burglary. So cool. He didn't so go- he's not good at it. He kind of sucks at it. Well, t- yeah. No, he, he has a pattern of, of... The good burglars never get caught. You never hear about the good ones. Yeah. But this time, he didn't actually go back to Gabalt. Uh, he was sentenced to three years at St. Uh, Bede's Academy. Or Bidet's Academy. I don't think it's Bidet. I don't think anyone would name themselves St. Bidet. St. Bidet. <laughs> Ass Cleaner Bidet. Academy. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, St. Bede's Academy. And um, so St. Bede's was run and operated by uh, 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 Benedict. Uh, don't even ask Mumps. me. Ask your it's, friend that told us we no, don't no. know how to pronounce shit. I, I, yeah, 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 Daniel. Yeah, shout out to Daniel and all his buddies at work listening. Uh, Sorry, we're not as smart as you, Daniel. <laughs> well, he's Hispanic, so he's going to know how to understand some of the words that you're trying to say. Whatever, dude. Oh, then come, be a consultant, then, and we'll pay you nothing. <laughs> well, I think that's what it was. You know, he gave me some insight, and I passed <laughs> like, it on. He didn't give you insight. He said you suck at talking. <laughs> well, either way. And me. Whatever, dude. It's uh, fine. So, um, yeah, he stayed with some monks, all right? It was, cool. it was operated by monks at this facility. And... Uh, while there, he stood out as an exceptional student. He stayed there until he was about 16 before he was released. And other than his burglaries, he didn't really show any violence in his past. You hear that? He That's didn't. very interesting because as we yeah. know, uh, you don't just wake up and become a murderer one day. Like you don't just no. do it. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. a process. No, yeah, he was he was not a, a bedwetter. He he wasn't known for hurting animals, and I don't think he started any fires. No, so. that's the that's the three ingredients right there. That's the McDonald yeah. triad right there. Uh, but old habits do die hard, and when when he finally got out, he went right back into serial burglary, basically. So, uh, but while he was committing his burglaries, he was studying electrical engineering, which is interesting. That's what's odd. He was actually accepted to university of Chicago. Like he's not, he's just like, he was like a pretty smart kid as far as, you know, I think it was just quick money. I mean, he, you know, he, he just, it was a quick way. It was fun. He enjoyed it. And yeah, it was a rush. So So now he's going to go listen. So now he's going to go from being a serial burglar, uh, who's only robbed, who's only been arrested for burglary, um, and he's going to go into straight up brutal, horrible murder. As far as the police of Chicago in the 1940s were concerned, that was the timeline of William Hirons. Right. But uh, aside from conspiracy or like what could have been or what, what, what happened instead, 
it's not completely unfeasible that someone could have a string of robberies and then one finally go bad and they have to take a life. Yeah, I could yes, I could downward. see that, but stabbing, shooting and then not taking anything from the home, that doesn't add up. Well, no, it wasn't. Burglar, this it was just like Josephine murder. Ross, the first one we're going to talk about here, was not a burglary gone wrong. It was a straight up assassination. It was a straight right. up just for murder. So yeah, so Josephine, she was about forty three when this happened, and in June of nineteen forty five, in the Edgewood ni- uh, neighborhood on the north side of town, a young woman found the body of her mother, forty three year old Josephine Ross, in the apartment that they shared. Um, and Ross had been attacked in the bedroom. She had been beaten and stabbed. Uh, the strange thing was afterwards, the killing had meticulous, uh, meticulously washed her. Yes. Uh, it's so and weird. Then, and then, and then put her back in the bed and used adhesive tape to try and close the wound. Now then, straight up, I'm going to put a profiler hat on real quick and say that is an extreme indication of guilt or not guilt, um, uh, remorse. Like he felt yes. bad, right? He's like, he's like stabbing her, killing her, or whatever. And then right after, he's like, "Oh shit, I wish I wouldn't have done that." Oh, like hey, turn some your level of respect. But yeah, yeah turn he, your ca- mic he up covered some. her with, a, he turn covered your- her with a sheet, and um, uh, yeah, it was very, it was very respectful in regards of being a. a, a I wouldn't say respectful. I would say like well, at the end, like you said, like remorse. Like once you do something, I don't know why they covered. Maybe it was just like a. Maybe they wanted that to be their signature. Andrea Gates did the same thing. She killed her kids and then put them in a bed and covered them. Like it's a sign of remorse. Like it's like you don't want them looking at you and you don't want to look at them. It's the, yes, it's that's the it's, that's the concept of it. Or like that's the it, the primal instinct of it. Right. But speaking of Andrea Yates, and we'll get into her later on in a, in a soon episode. Yes. But I would say, in regards to her doing it, wouldn't you? Uh, is it possible that? Uh, you know, it's a it's a rite of passage thing. Like, I'm doing this, and I don't have remorse. But there's a certain way to do the thing that I'm doing because what I'm doing, I think, is right. Um, maybe, but I don't think so. Because Andrea no. Yates killed her kids because she felt that she was an unfit mother. She felt like she was doing them a favor. Oh, I thought she killed them because the de- like 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 Jesus or someone told her to do. No, it. that was the other lady that killed her kids. That was um. God, someone's yelling it at their fucking phone right now. Um, what's her fucking yeah. name? Yeah, I thought uh, I don't know. What's the one I, that yeah, drowned her Andrew kids Yates. in the pool? Well, Andrew Yates drowned them in a bathtub. Was it a lake or a pool? It was a, was bathtub, a bathtub in her house. Yeah, it was her guest bathroom. <laughs> at least it was in the guest bedroom, <laughs> right? It's She's hilarious. like, I'm not taking this nonsense into my bathroom. <laughs> but anyway, we'll get into Andrea Yates on a later episode. But yeah, that's will. what's weird is uh, he he covered her up, he bathed her, and he tried to. It was almost like he was trying to undo it by putting the tape on the wounds. Which I got to break it to you, unnamed murderer. Tape is not going to solve. Tape it's not. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Know. Maybe it was uh, again. I think maybe it was uh, an attempt to be a signature. You know, like the the tape killer. Or maybe the, I mean typically the, the double sided tape killer, the Scotch murderer, the yeah, <laughs> like, the, 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 <laughs> the adhesive killer. Yes, well, that Chicago, could that's too broad. That could be Chicago glue. Scotch killer. <laughs> this is Chicago Scotch killer. Yeah, I don't know if he was trying to create a signature. I think he was just like on autopilot and was like, I need to undo this, so let me bathe her and. Possibly. Maybe he got sexual gratification out of the bathing. I mean, that could have been it as well. There was no, there's no talk of splooge, so I don't know if he really. I don't know if he came. Uh, maybe he splooged in his pants. I don't know. 
and his flat front slacks and tie. I don't. Some people dressed nineteen forties. I guess. Uh, I think I think we're getting carried away. Yeah, a little uh, bit. Anyway, let's continue. So in June of nineteen forty-five, in the Edgewood neighborhood on the north side, you've literally course, read that entire thing already. I was really just recapping. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's like, why are you reading the paragraph again? We already talked about it. All right. Um, then I'll start where I was. You really, yeah, good job. Um, <laughs> I was just, okay, just start with police. Police were unable to identify. That's where we left off. All right. So police were unable to identify a dark uh, complected man reportedly seen loitering nearby and running away. Uh, and there weren't any valuables that were taken. That's what I'm saying. No valuables taken by a career thief who was breaking into apartments since the seventh grade. And he didn't take anything. And they think it was him. It makes no, not, it does not make the least bit of sense. It's definitely different than his, uh, uh, what would you call it? MO. His, yeah. His reason yeah. for breaking into homes was to right. steal things. Yeah. So it makes no sense that he would just stop stealing things and stick to stick and trans and tr- go into murder. I don't, I don't get that. Right. Well, so some time goes by, and about six months later, uh, on December tenth of nineteen forty-five, thirty-three-year-old Frances Brown was found dead in her apartment. Uh, she was shot twice and then stabbed. Uh, the knife was lodged into her neck, and she had a bullet wound Jesus. to the head. Again, nothing was taken. Again, that's what I'm saying. Like it, that's there's no way it was him. Yeah, but this murder was a bit different from the first one. So she was also bathed and even found half in, half out of the bathtub. Police found a smudged fingerprint on the door jam of the entrance, and uh, but I, I think forensics. They weren't. Uh, no, they, they aren't what not. they are today. So uh, this was uh, basically useless. Pretty much. And then yeah. a, a witness heard gunshots about four a.m. And the building's uh, night clerk at the time said a nervous man that he said was aged about thirty-five to forty years old and about one hundred forty pounds uh, got off of the elevator and then left. And at one point, police said they believed the killer could be a woman. First of all, I'm going to go ahead and smash that logic because it's unlikely that a killer, the killer would be a woman. Most women killers aren't messy. Uh, plus, leaving the knife behind like that and, and the fingerprint is textbook disorganized killer. Uh, the only thing that would make it more disorganized if they would have said he took the knife from the kitchen. Like, that's the only thing that would make it more unorganized. Uh, women killers are typically organized. Uh, they use nonviolent ways of killing. Um, actually, the majority of them are black widows or angels of death. So... It's not. It definitely was not a woman. And I think you could chalk up the difference in killing methods uh, to the killer trying to find his signature. They typically all do this. I mean, one example would be Dahmer went from chopping up a body, putting it in a trash bag, and leaving it out front to keeping them in his bed for days at a time. They find what they... It takes them a little bit to find what they like, and then they stick to that. And that's how it goes every single time. But... um, the. 135 to 40. William Hines was 17. He didn't look for, he didn't look 35. I feel like people looked older back then. Like he looked like if you were 35 or 40, you looked it. You know what I mean? Like he was 17. He was a young kid. There's sure no that way. Wasn't just like, uh, like, uh, photography quality. You know, like 
No, there's you know, plenty like, of photos. Like a, of him. like a nine-year-old in like uh, a black and white photo from 1900 looks like she's fucking 27. Well, in that case, <laughs> you know, he would like, look even young. He would look even older, but he looks uh, younger. He's 17, and he looks. I don't know. I mean, he's 17. He looks 25. But I'm saying, like, he didn't look 40 in the pictures. There's no way. No, but maybe maybe he grew a, a, a good full beard at an early age. Maybe he has a uh, maybe he's balding early. Maybe, maybe when maybe they took those black and white changed. photos of him being uh, led away by police, holding his bloody head. Maybe they used a filter on the camera, like a like the puppy dog filter on Snapchat. Yeah, they probably did something like that because he wanted to look good. He was going to post it later, like the blue eyeshadow filter. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, or like makes you pucker your lips. Exactly. So, yeah, at this point, police really didn't have any leads, but given both bodies were of older women and bathed, they figured it might be the same guy. Just maybe. It could possibly be the same guy. (laughs) Yeah, so the... Pretty strange signature to have. Yeah, what what was interesting was uh, the... uh, What sealed the deal of it being one killer was the infamous message scrawled across Frances Brown's wall and and her lipstick. So the message read, For heaven's sake... Catch me before I kill more. I cannot control myself. That so if you got more than one, I mean, is, it's not going to be two different people using lipstick saying some shit. But that picture of the message, like, dude, I'm sure that was just like, oh fuck, like when they saw that, like, because that's that's a pretty yeah, intense now, now message. Now it's a clock. Now it's a countdown. Like, yeah, what, what's what's going to happen? What, like, how I'm, fast? He's saying I'm going to keep going until you catch me because I cannot stop. Right. I think at that point, if someone is mentally ill and uh, they they don't have the self control to keep from killing. I think they're gonna keep doing it, but they genuinely know that they're fucked up and they wish there was an answer. So it's like, all right, I'll just do this until you catch me, and then we'll find a solution, either immediately or I'll be hospitalized. And I don't know, maybe it's a way out. But I also don't understand people like that because if you want to be caught so bad, why don't you just turn yourself in? I guess, yeah, you could say that. Why don't you just go get help before you kill somebody? Yeah, but whatever. It's interesting. Yeah. Let's move on to the most uh, terrible one, I suppose you could say. This one's worse than the others, definitely. uh, Yeah. So, about a month after um, Francis had been killed uh, on January 7th of 1946, uh, Suzanne Degnan, I think I'm saying that right, if I'm not. Yeah, I think it's Degnan. But. she uh, she went missing, and she was six years old. That's what makes us a little different. Yeah, okay, we so. go from thirty three to forty five, or th- forty three to thirty three to six. Yeah, it, <laughs> we're gonna get into now. It. It's just more compulsive. But someone had come through her window and taken her. Right, so there was a there was a ransom note left, uh, and it said, "quote Get twenty thousand dollars ready and wait for word. Do not notify FBI or police." Bills in fives and tens, end quote. That's really specific. Uh, like, if he's not going to take it, if it's like 20s, he's going to be like, I don't want this money. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess you like having thicker stacks in your hand, make you feel like you have more money. Um, Maybe. But a man even called uh, the the family's residence repeatedly demanding the ransom. Right. Uh, but, it, but again, this is 46. There was no caller ID. There was, I don't even think they could trace phone like calls back then. Yeah. Uh, so even the Chicago mayor, Edward Kelly, at the time received a note. Uh, and this note had said, <clears throat> quote, this is to tell you how sorry I am not to get old Dagnan instead of his girl. 
Roosevelt and the OPA made their own laws. Why should I and a lot more? Yeah, um, I don't think he's of course, very that doesn't literate. make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, but yeah, that was But this verbatim. is the interesting part right here because just go ahead. Is this this part is very very interesting. Well, I think maybe he was intent, intending on getting like one of the the parents and then Right, but we're going to see why in just a second room. and yeah. it's not going to make any sense that it was Hirons. Yeah. So at the time of the kidnapping, there was a nationwide meatpackers strike, and the OPA was talking of extending rationing uh, of dairy products. Right. So James Degnan happened to be a senior executive of the OPA, and that's had the father of a son, Suzanne. Of yes. So yeah, he uh, he was the executive for OPA, right? And he had recently been assigned armed guards after receiving uh, death threats against his children. Interesting. And, yeah, so prior to the Suzanne Degnan kidnapping, a man in Chicago involved with black market meat had been murdered by decapitation. Jesus. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and police consider the kidnapper might have been a meat packer. Uh, yeah, but see, rivalries. What it was is they forgot to mention how into the meat packing industry and laws that Bill Hirons was, because of course a career thief is going to be very involved with meat packing regulations of the city that he's in. That makes yes. total sense. That he has, you know, just he really has, you know, he has his 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 what's it called? His iron in that fire, right? Well, she wasn't found until several weeks later on February 20th after the police received uh, an anonymous tip to check the sewers. And after searching through the many sewers and storm drains in the fucking city, they started finding things. The first thing to be found was the little girl's severed head in a sewers. Uh, it, was like, uh, it was a block from the Degnan's home. It was like very close. Yes. Yeah, and, and then uh, her right leg was found in a, uh, a catch basin. Uh, I don't. I'm not really sure what a catch basin is. I'm guessing it's like a. a Sounds like something a bars, to keep like a bunch a of stuff from going into yeah, the sewer. Like the bars that keep like debris. Yeah. So definitely don't uh, think then, a leg is supposed to be in it. No, and then her her, her torso was found in another storm drain, uh, while her arms weren't found until about a month later in another sewer. Okay, so really quick, we talked about it a minute ago, but right now I'm gonna I'm gonna put my profiler hat on. So it seems unlikely that Bill Hirons committed this murder. First of all, the first two women were 43 and 33, as we've talked about many, many times. Killers have a specific reason why they kill. Kemper killed co-eds because his mom said he could never have them. Gacy killed young boys because he was attracted to them and hated them because of it. You don't just kill a 43-year-old and a 33-year-old and then jump to killing a 6-year-old. It just doesn't happen that way. And you don't I'm not go saying from it's impossible. But no, yeah, but it does. Not it's not going to happen though. It's not. Unless he's just unless it's like a spree killing where he's just killing anybody he sees. Yeah, but 9 times. No, it sounds like he might be times. compulsive at this point. I'm I don't a, think so. No, no, no because I compulsion or things not, in place to make it think that like he probably was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But as far as like human behavior, um, not not being qualified, but it's very possible for someone to kind of jump around like that, especially if you're mentally unstable. Yes, but, but I get it. Why the were the first two killed so no, I, differently? The right, notes, no, it, the first two being killed different. It doesn't make any sense. Dismemberment. Yeah, it's he goes right, from extreme remorse. About, I don't think I'm disagreeing. I think I'm just saying I don't want to just like stick to this one. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying 9.9 times out of 10, it's not going to happen this way because you don't go from 
feeling guilt and feeling remorse by bathing them and covering their bodies to cutting their fucking limbs off. You don't jump from those two things. It does right. not well, happen. I mean, even at age, I mean, yeah, typically even your Ted Bundy's, your Ed Keen's, either you're into older women or you're into college girls. Like it just, it and doesn't plus, really vary too far. To, to add on to the unstable element, let's say it is William Hirons that did all of these. Stuff like schizophrenia and borderline personality disorder, things that a lot of these killers have that, you know, like social disorders and things like that, they don't usually manifest that early. Typically, schizophrenia doesn't even manifest until you're like 24, 25. So if you're under that age and you feel like you might be schizophrenic, just hold out because you might be. (laughs) You never know. There are enough cases of children with it. But yeah, like so my mom's mom uh, was paranoid schizophrenic. Um, basically the window closes when you're like, like I'm 35. So I haven't heard any voices, uh, and I'm not seeing things or people that aren't there. So I'm pretty sure I'm in the clear. Right. But, but I'm saying it's just, man, after all the research I've done on killers, after all the FBI profiler books I've read and documentaries I've watched, this is never the case. It does not go from this type of kill to dismemberment. And, yeah, disposing of the bodies the in such a disrespectful yeah. way. It just doesn't happen yeah, I get that what way. You're saying. For sure. But it okay, so it goes without saying that there was uh an enormous pressure put on the police in Chicago to find this killer. So two women have been brutally murdered and have been subject to a strange ritual by the killer. Now a six year old has been kidnapped, murdered, dismembered, and disposed of in the city sewers. Jesus, dude. That's just like yeah. not something you want to have happen anywhere near it's you. A, <laughs> It's a long way from burglary. So police. Yeah. Re- they, so basically, they questioned hundreds of people. They gave polygraph tests to about 170, and several times made claims that they had captured the killer. But eventually, all of those suspects that's a, were released. That's another thing. They were so quick to be like, "We fucking got him. We fucking got him. We fucking got him." And it's like, no, you don't yeah. fucking have him. They were desperate to get this fucking killer, and so right. when a good scapegoat came along and was ready to confess. They're like, yep, we fucking got him. Right. So regarding the murder of Suzanne, the six-year-old, the coroner determined the time of death at between 1230 and 1 a.m. and stated that uh, a very sharp knife had been used to uh, expertly, uh, specifically, dismember the body. And then uh, a basement laundry room near the Degnan's house was located. It appeared that Degnan had been dismembered in that basement laundry room, though it was determined that she was already dead when she was taken there. Uh, a coroner's expert stated that the killer was either a man who worked in a profession that required the study of anatomy or one with a background in the dissection. And then not even the average doctor could be this skillful, basically. And right. it had to be had to be a meat cutter or something. So the coroners were going on about this, and they added that it was a very clean job with absolutely no signs of hacking. Exactly. Exactly. Bill Hirons was 17. Yeah. 17. He skills He's that, not an I experienced mean, I don't know, Doogie butcher. Hauser. That's a fake. Like That's a made up person. He is not an experienced butcher. He <laughs> certainly was not a surgeon. He was an immature 17 year old thief who, if he was going to dismember a body, wouldn't have been very fucking good at it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it just doesn't add up, dude. But, I mean, also, saying a doctor wouldn't be this skillful, I mean, and saying a butcher would be, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> it's kind of like what are the times we're living in. Like, how who's being trained yeah. better? <laughs> um, so, 
before Heron's arrest, 65-year-old Hector Verberg, uh, I think is how you say it, he was picked up by police as a viable suspect, actually. He was mm-hmm. a janitor at the building uh, where Suzanne lived, and police were so sure that they started telling the press that this is the guy, right? So, But another issue was Verberg was uh, – basically, he was a janitor, not a butcher, not a surgeon. Right, again. So how could he have made the precision cuts – uh, that uh, during the dismemberment, and basically, police pressured his wife to implicate her husband in the murder. They are so fucking desperate. They are so desperate to get a fucking yeah, killer they, they, on the they books. Swore that he was the guy. Yeah, no, dude. He's a fu- no offense to janitors. Just, I appreciate I you just, so much, but yeah. like, you're not. Gonna, I think they just wanted to like put the community at ease. You know, that's what they always want to do. It's, to they don't. Hunt. They yeah. don't care about who they actually catch the killer. They're just like, we want to have somebody yeah. in handcuffs on the front page of the paper that fucking did this. That's what they're worried about. Yeah. Well, Verberg was only held for about 48 hours of questioning and was subject to beatings that severely injured him, including uh, separating his shoulder. Jesus Christ. Yeah. A a lawyer at Verberg's janitor union got him released on a writ of habeas corpus. uh, And Verberg said uh, about the experience, quote, oh, they hanged me up. They blindfolded me. I can't put up my arms. They are sore. They had handcuffs on me for hours and hours. They threw me in the cell and blindfolded me. They handcuffed my hands behind my back and pulled me up on bars until my toes touched the floor. I no eat. That's how he said it. I I go to the hospital. Oh, I thought you were making fun of him because he's Hispanic. No, I was just saying like that's (laughs) I read it because that's how it was quoted. No, I know. I'm just kidding. yeah, uh, anymore, and I would have confessed to anything. See, that's what I'm saying, dude. Exactly like, William Hirons was just couldn't hold out, man. Yeah. So another notable false lead was that of Sidney Sherman. Uh, she was recently just uh, a discharged Marine who had served in World War II. Again, we're in the 40s. Police had found blonde hairs in the back of the Degnan apartment building, and nearby was a wire that uh, authorities suspected could have been used as a um, basically a tool to strangle Suzanne with. Uh, near that was a handkerchief the police suspected might have been used as a gag to keep Suzanne quiet, uh, and on the handkerchief was a laundry mark named S. Sherman. The police hoped that perhaps the killer had erred in leaving it behind, basically, you know, and then it would be it would be a lead. So they searched the military records and discovered that a Sidney Sherman lived at the Hyde Park YMCA. The police went to question her, or Sherman, but discovered that he had uh, vacated the residence uh, without checking out and quit his job without picking up his last paycheck. Oh, which is actually pretty, kind uh, of suspicious. <laughs> yes, yeah. So a nationwide manhunt ensued after this. So Sherman was found four days later in Toledo, Ohio. He explained under interrogation that he had eloped with his girlfriend and denied that the handkerchief was his. Uh, he was administered a polygraph test, which he did pass and was later cleared. The handkerchief, uh, its real owner, Airman Seymour Sherman of New York City, was eventually found. He had been out of the country when Suzanne was murdered. So he had no idea how it could possibly have ended up in Chicago, and the presence of the handkerchief was determined to be a mere coincidence. So again, the police are no closer to finding this murderer, and nothing fires up a city to catch a criminal like the murder of a child, especially if that child is chopped up into pieces. So on June 26th of 1946, four months after Suzanne's body was found in pieces, uh, Harris was picked up for attempted burglary, 
and he ran from police but was eventually caught. He was fighting off the officer uh, when a nearby grabbed a clay pot and smashed it on his head, and he lost consciousness. Jesus Christ. A little help from a, 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 a civilian. Just a good Samaritan. Yeah. So according to Herons, he drifted into unconsciousness under questioning and was interrogated around the clock uh, for about six consecutive days. He was beaten. He was starved. Uh, he was also refused the opportunity to speak to a lawyer for that duration. Which is not legal. No. So two psychiatrists, Drs. Haynes and Roy Grinker, Gave Heron sodium uh, pentothal without a warrant and without Heron's or his parents' consent. Because he's fucking 17 years old. Yeah. And they interrogated him for three hours. So under the influence of the drug, authorities claimed Heron spoke of an alternate personality named George who had actually committed the murders. Uh, He claimed that he recalled little of the drug-induced interrogation and that when police asked for George's last name, he said he couldn't remember. But – that it was a murmuring name, basically. So police translated this to merman. <laughs> like a mermaid man. A yeah. male mermaid. Uh, and the, and the, media, the media, basically, they later traumatized it to murder man. Ah, of course. Weird. Yeah, leave it to the media yes. to just fuck everything up even worse. Yeah, but what Heron's actually said in his dispute as the original transcript had, has disappeared. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, so in 1952, Dr. Grinker revealed that Herons had never implicated himself in any of the killings. Weird, but who are we going to believe? The police or a doctor, honestly? Unfortunately. So after the sodium, pentothal questioning, but before the polygraph exam, uh, Herons spoke to Captain Michael uh, Aherns. He was the state's attorney, William Tahoe, and a stenographer at hand. So they were basically the guys in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, testing and uh, Heron's basically offered an indirect confession confirming his claim while under sodium pentothal that his alter ego George Merman might have been responsible for the crimes uh, and if you guys don't know what sodium pentothal is it's uh, a truth serum supposedly it uh, yeah. forces you to tell the truth I guess I don't know exactly how it works but it's interesting yeah apparently you get loosey goosey like laughing gas or anything that kind of makes you a little loopy yeah but like way worse yeah. So, uh, so he's handwriting analyst. Uh, that th- there were analysts there basically that were handwriting, right? And it didn't definitely link Heron's handwriting to the lipstick message. Yeah, so they but weren't even at the same time matching the handwriting together. But at the same time, it's different from writing on a piece of paper to writing on a wall with your entire arm. Like you're, it's not gonna match up. Not perfectly. I guess so, either way, it didn't. So. Police claim that his fingerprints matched a print discovered at the scene of the Francis Brown murder. I'm so sure. To into that one. Of course it yeah. did. So it was first reported as a bloody smudge on the door jam. Furthermore, a fingerprint of the left little finger also allegedly connected Herons to the ransom note with nine points of comparison. Whatever mm-hmm. the fuck that means. I have no clue. We, uh, we did a lot of fingerprint talk on the Zodiac episodes, but I don't remember any of that fingerprint yeah, analysis no. stuff. No. Uh, but as Heron's nine points of comparison were loops, uh, this could also provide a match to 65% of the population. So it's so, basically like a hair yeah. sample. It's a hair sample. Basically, it's useless again. Yeah. So on June 30th, 1946, Captain Emmett Evans told newspapers that Heron's had been cleared of suspicion in the Brown murder as the fingerprints left in the apartment were not his. 
Okay. So then 12 days later, chief of defective, uh, chief De- detectives, uh, Walter storms confirmed that the bloody smudge left on the door jam oh was indeed Heron's get on the same page. You guys. Yeah. So since there was no hard evidence leaking Heron's to these murders, other than some stolen items taken from an apartment near the Degnan home, he was given a plea bargain, the plea guilty, uh, Basically, he was going to plead guilty to three murders, and he wouldn't be sent to the chair. Jeez. So uh, William drafted his confession, Bill, uh, and uh, he and his parents signed it. Herons took full responsibility responsibility for the three murders on August 7th of 1946. Um, 29 inconsistencies were later found in Herons' confessions. Okay, and the actual crime itself. So it really just wasn't adding up. It it's since become the understanding that the nature of the inconsistencies is a clear indication of a false confession. Yeah, and they had other. Vi- this is another. This is a viable suspect right here who could have been the actual murder of Suzanne, but they they got Herons. They got Hirons instead. Yeah. So after the Degnan murder, but before Herons became a suspect, uh, Chicago police interrogated 42-year-old Richard Russell Thomas, a drifter passing through the city of Chicago at the Never time of Degnan's murder. Never trust a drifter, murder. especially a drifter with no. three names. They're like carnies. Yeah, you can't trust them. Um, but, yeah, so he was found in the Maricopa County Jail in Phoenix, Arizona. Woo. Yeah, just right down the road from me. Uh, police handwriting expert Charles B. Arnold Head of the forgery detail of the Phoenix police in Thomas Thomas's hometown of Phoenix noted uh, that there were similarities between the handwritten uh, Degnan ransom note and Thomas's handwriting uh, when Thomas wrote with his left hand, mm-hmm. and suggest that Chicago police investigate Thomas. But did they? No. No. So upon questioned. Uh, being questioned, Thomas uh, confessed to the crime, but he was released from custody after Herons became the prime suspect. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, others contend that Thomas was a strong suspect. To wit, Thomas previously had been convicted of an attempted extortion. Oh, my with a God. Ransom note, oh a my ransom God. note. A ransom note. <laughs> yeah. A fucking ransom note that threatened the kidnapping of a little girl well he probably got it out of his system he wouldn't do it again right so as previously noted handwriting experts at the time stated that thomas's ransom note from his previous conviction of extortion bears similarity in both style in regard to the wording and in form of the actual structure of the letters formed to the degnan ransom note Mm-mm, i don't believe no what's what else you got yeah thomas was in, <laughs> he was in chicago at the time of the Degnan. Uh, irrelevant irrelevant what else do you have Okay. At the time he confessed to the negative crime, he was awaiting sentencing for molesting his daughter. Doesn't seem related. What else? Okay. Thomas had a history of violence, including spousal abuse. Mm-mm. Those guys are always reformed after they get caught. Go ahead. Keep going. What's next? Uh, what if Thomas was a nurse who was known to masquerade as a surgeon? Mm. Now, what else you got? Keep going. All right. Uh, how about he often boasted to his friends that he was a doctor and he was known to steal surgical supplies? What would he be using that for? Is he cutting up steaks with it? I don't understand. Keep going. What else do you have? Okay. Uh, Chicago police had previously developed a profile of the Degnan killer as having surgical skills or being a butcher. Mm, I don't see how those things are related to this murder, so I'm going to ignore them completely uh, and focus if, all of my efforts on someone else. So what else do you have to what, try to convince me? What, 
What if you frequented a car agency near the Degnan residence? I don't know what a car has to do with anything. Keep going. What if parts of Suzanne Degnan's body were found in a sewer across the street from the car agency? Oh, that's in. Nope. Don't care. What else do you have? I'm still looking at Hirons as my suspect. So I don't really, I'm not even listening. I'm on my phone. I'm looking at okay. TikToks while you're telling me. Like Hirons, he was a known burglar. Doesn't, I'm, both of them are burglars. Cool. They're criminals. Great. What's next? What about uh, the fact that he had confessed freely to the Degnan murder, although he later recanted? Recanted. He's innocent. So it's just, it doesn't make any sense. No. I don't okay. Care. What about the Chicago detectives dismissing Thomas's claims after Herons became a suspect? Now that I am on board with. Fuck yeah. Uh, okay. That makes sense. That, that, <laughs> that's where it makes sense. <laughs> well, Thomas died in 1974 in an Arizona prison. Oh, his, man. Yeah. So He'll his prison missed. record and most of the evidence of his interrogation regarding the Chicago murders has been either lost or destroyed at this that point. That is so weird how these uh, government state agencies just – lose important things right well i'm sure it's the 40s and 50s everything's on paper there's no uh hard drive or thumb drive <laughs> right. that's yeah, containing course. any information they have like but, rooms of fucking papers and now you can just put it all on like a fucking little thumb drive yeah so initially uh or uh in conclusion uh soon after uh, heron's arrest uh his parents and uh his younger brother did change their surname to hill uh, his parents did divorce after his conviction. I'm sure they were looking for any reason. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been battling for years. <laughs> right. But he was convicted of the three murders and given three life sentences to run consecutively. Jesus. And it's uh, crazy. So after being taken to the University of Illinois Medical Center on February 26th of 2012, due to complications from diabetes, Herons died on March 5th. Of 2012, at the age of 83. 83. Which, I think. It, I think if you die at 83, it's not diabetes. You're like just like you're just old. <laughs> it's just time <laughs> yeah. to die. Like it's over. Diabetes with. was may have been the 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 the, the last straw. He but, died yeah. and had diabetes. Like that's the only thing. Like he was 83. It was just time to die. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. To- maybe. Maybe it was a maybe it was a life of trying to fight for innocence. You know, <laughs> maybe it was and, just the life of turmoil he experienced, knowing he's an innocent man who's been in prison since he was seventeen years old. Yeah, no, well, I, do not, guy, I do not. I do not think was the he guy did. That, the guy from Oklahoma uh, in the seventies or eighties, but he was mentally challenged, and this girl came up dead, and he was the last one to be seen with her. But he wasn't the killer, and he did time. No, I have no idea. But I don't think he was mentally challenged. But I think he had something uh, wrong going on mentally. Like I mean, he was known as like the local baseball star when he was a kid, and then he mm-hmm. kind of like never went anywhere. But but yeah, I mean, there's plenty of people like that. Yeah, I, it happens all the time. We can talk about the Innocence Project. Yeah, any I mean, all day. But what I'm saying right now is my opinion. Hirons Hirons was a burglar and a thief. I do not think he committed these crimes. I think he was a scapegoat. I think they wanted to get somebody into prison as the murderer, and they were like, this is our dude. You've got a 17-year-old in the 40s, dude. He's clearly someone that is not educated enough to exactly. He's just uh, defend or advocate for himself. So they just took advantage of that, and he literally died in prison, and I fully believe he's innocent. But it doesn't matter because he's dead, so who cares? Um, he that's what you- life. He lived 83. He was just yeah. Yeah. But that's the end of the episode, guys. Um, We will be back next week with another murderer. And uh, we'll catch you guys on the flippity flip. Later. Later.